and um, I was going to preach this last Sunday morning, and I just appreciate the liberty of the spirit that was here, and um, so I, mine was drawn to this, uh, Brother John Harrell, the pastor, longtime pastor there in uh, Bridge City, Texas, uh, for 44 years, uh, was a pastor there. And um, I did not did not know that he was sick. And um, I talked to him fairly regularly. And I talked to him back in December. And I look back now and think he probably was saying something to me, but I didn't pick up on it. Um, but he told me, he said, uh, Brother Harrelson, you tell those saints in Dothan to keep riding their Shetland ponies. And uh, some of that will be a mystery to you. I hope that before we're done, it's not a mystery. Um, but back 17 years ago, I preached this here and then preached it in Bridge City. And um, maybe you want to track down his memorial service. It's on the uh, Bridge City United Pentecostal Church, they've got a YouTube page, and I think they do Facebook. But his memorial service this past Monday, and it was just a great encouragement. And um, I've come to discover this about funerals. Uh, if you want people saying things about you at that funeral, then here's what you've got to do. You're the one that creates your own reputation. I can't do it for you. You're, you're the one that walks out that life. And I uh, listened to a lot of things that were said about Brother Harold, read his obituary, and um, I um, was just very inspired just, just by his commitment over the years, and even Sister Harold, uh, right there with him all those years, and just the faithfulness that was demonstrated. And if you're going to be called faithful, you're going to have to, be faithful and uh, I think that's the goal that's the driving point of our lives is that at the end of the race what will be said about your life and uh, so this morning I want to sort of do my best uh, to kind of maybe get you to think this is probably going to be a slow moving message and uh, which is fine I'd like to start in verse 32, Acts chapter 17. The Bible says there, And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them. Howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed among the which was Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. I want to focus in on that last phrase there in verse 34. And others with them. And I may be a little emotional this morning while I preach. We're fighting time. 
and uh, was in the car uh, fair amount Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday to and from Bridge City, which is almost to Houston. And uh, Brother Patterson mentioned this morning, as I told my wife, I think Brother Patterson's going to outlive all of us. And uh, Brother Patterson's 88. My parents are aging. And um, albeit it's not tomorrow, I don't think that they're... um, But there's some elders that are here uh, that have been greatly a great point of stability for for me in my life. And um, we can't afford to miss that, that these elders are important to us. And there are others that I can include in that that group. And um, we owe it to ourselves to keep the lights on, to keep the doors open to keep the prayer meetings cranked up and to just continue to be faithful. So I pray I'm going to inspire you this morning, but let's ask the Lord to touch his word. Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, for all that you do in our lives. I ask you, Lord, today, you're always present, Lord, whenever the word of God is being preached. I ask you, Lord, today that you would take, God, these words. Use them to advance your kingdom. Help us, Lord, to be submissive, Lord, to your will. Lord, I don't want to get to the end and turn around and wonder about wasted opportunities. Help me, Lord, to be completely surrendered. Lord, right now... And Lord, for the rest of my days, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Title, Shoot Low Boys, They're Riding Shetland Ponies. And I didn't know what kind of slide they were going to put up, but that looks good. 45 years ago, somewhere 45 to 50 years ago, it was a different world, and if you got the news, it generally was uh, from the newspaper. The Dothan Eagle at that time was not a morning paper, it was an evening paper, and I can remember getting off of the school bus and um, or later whenever I started driving to school, and a very scary thought is this, is that when I was 17 years old, my junior and senior year, they let me drive a school bus. And I look back at that, and I'm almost terrified to think that they were letting high school students drive school buses, but they did. And um, so I would uh, pull into the driveway there, Sunrise Heights, where we lived, I forget the number now, and I would get the newspaper, and once a week, there was a columnist uh, whose name was Lewis Grizzard. Now, Lewis Grizzard was a true Southerner, and his job, he felt like, for his writing was to educate all the folks from the North, 
and to tell them about canned biscuits and tomato gravy and about hog jowls and all that they graced. Not, not just canned biscuits, but those big old cathead biscuits that we don't know too much about these days. And um, his column, he, he talked about great Americans like uh, Wayman C. Wanamaker Jr., who one of his chief skills in life was to be able to manage a pool cue. And uh, Lewis told stories occasionally about uh, Wayman Wanamaker getting involved in, I don't say bar fights, but pool hall fights. And he said that not only could he wield that that pool stick, but he really was good with when he turned it around and used the business end of it. And and more than one time or two, he was thrown out of the pool hall where that he had had been. And um, Lewis wrote a lot about dogs. He had a had a number of dogs that he would tell uh, stories about. There were hog dogs that were fat little dogs. Uh, he wrote about Heinz 57 dogs that you really didn't know who or what their lineage was or where they came from. They were friendly sorts. And, and that was just uh, the way that, that Lewis wrote about dogs. And um, he wrote a lot of books. And you can still get your hands on some of those books. And uh, he had always nifty titles. If I ever get back to Georgia, I'm going to nail my feet to the ground. There's another one that he wrote called Chili Dogs Bark at Night. <laughs> and, and, uh, but there was one of his titles, and it was Shoot Low Boys Are Riding Shetland Ponies. And um, what was that about? He talked about how that whenever he was growing up, that as a kid, one of his heroes was, was John Wayne. He talked about how that, that John Wayne would generally ride a horse, and he said in those days it was easy to pick out who that uh, the good guys were and who the bad guys were. The good guys wore the white hats, and the bad guys wore the black hats. The good guys rode big white stallions, and the bad guys rode, rode black stallions. And he said that as he grew up, he said, you kind of get into that hero deal about how that uh, these are the guys that are bigger than life and you want to try to uh, emulate them and, and you want to be like that. But he said as he got older, he said he started realizing that some of that hero worship was so far-fetched and unrealistic and I think that's probably the case that most of us catch ourselves at the point that, that once we start paying electricity bills and we start buying groceries and we start trying to manage schedules, all of a sudden we realize that we're not the guys that are riding the big white stallions. And uh, it, I don't know, I'm certainly aware that it wouldn't fit in the role of, of theology, but but Lewis made this point. He said, I've got to this place in my life where that I realize that the majority of the real heroes are the ones that ride Shetland ponies. 
They're the people that just week in and week out. They're faithful in their marriage. They're they're there on their jobs. They come to church. They're uh, willing to pay their tithes. They're willing to say that the church is an important place in uh, my life. He said it was just the common people that that they decide and determine that they're going to ride Shetland ponies. It's probably not going to be our lot in life to ride the white stallions and to be what uh, we would term and call those that, that are important. And I think that most of us, that if we're willing to admit that we spend a lot of our time riding Shetland ponies, it's those little ponies that, that we end up being, that they end up being a part of our lives. And so it is that sometimes the dreams and the visions of, of youth and even of early adulthood, that they, they sometimes they have to give way to what I've determined uh, is called the routine and somehow the, the mundane avenues of life. But I've also learned this. Is there something about those mundane routine uh, schedules of, of your life that they really can move you to places of, of greatness, I believe, in the kingdom of God. Now, occasionally we run across guys and, and gals that, that they are. that they, They're like, yeah, these are the people that are, that they're riding the big horses, but I'm going to go back out here and, and uh, get on my Shetland pony, and yet sometimes the greatest danger in life is that, is that we that do ride those Shetland ponies, we have a tendency to underestimate how valuable that we really are to the kingdom of God and really to the fabric and the mold of every one or banner or place of life. The devil would love for you to believe that, that you aren't really necessary and how that, that you have no real part in what God is wanting to do. And in a day, whenever we have the, the in my estimation, the maddening pursuit of miracles, signs, and wonders, even among us, I would say locally and certainly nationally that sometimes we get so caught up with that we forget about that there are times where that those things were not taking place every other day in the book of Acts. And the biggest temptation that the lowriders often face is they underestimate their power of what God has done in their lives and they forget about those particular things. But yet whenever you begin to look at the book of Acts and certainly throughout the epistles. There are men that are there, even women, that they're not very well known in the world, but they are well known to God. And if you don't believe that, all you have to do is read Romans chapter 16 because Paul comes along and he begins to write about some of those that rode Shetland ponies in the early days there of the church, Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant. Priscilla and Aquila, Aquila my helpers in Christ Jesus, my well-beloved Eponidas, who is the first fruits of Achaia, 
or Greece unto Christ. Mary, who bestowed much labor on us, Adronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles, Amplius, my beloved in the Lord, Urbane, our helper in Christ, Stachius, my beloved, Apelles, approved in Christ, Aristobulus and his household. You say, where are you getting those words? That, that's in Romans chapter 16, whenever Paul is concluding that letter, he said, hey, I want to tell you, there are some of the average folks that they did their part, and because of that, this church is where it is at even now. He goes on, he talks about Herodian, my kinsman. He talks about the household of Narcissus, which was not certainly what we understand in our day today as narcissism. He talked about Tryphena and Tryphosa. He said they labor in the Lord. He talked about Persis, which labored much in the Lord. Rufus chosen in the Lord. He goes on a syncretus, Phlegon, Hemus, Hermas, Petrobus, Hermes, and the brethren which are with them. He talked Talks about Philologus and Julia, Nereus and his sister, and Olympus and all the saints which are with them. And he says, Timotheus, my work fellow. He talks about Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsman. He talks about Tertius. He said, who wrote this epistle? Gaius, who was my host, Erastus, the chamberlain of the city. And then he mentions, he says, it's Quartus. That's who we conclude. Quartus, what is he? Quartus. Quartus is a brother, not a preacher, not a man that worked miracles, signs, and wonders, not a, not a man that had these huge evangelistic uh, crusades, but he was, just, he was just a brother. Far more the world would try to say or, or let. They would say, oh, these guys don't matter, but they do matter. Just like every single one of us here this morning, we matter. You think, well, I don't matter. No, that's a lie of the devil. That's a lie of the enemy to try to get on the inside of your mind, to try to tear everything that the Lord has put into your life and then try to tear it down. You say, well, I'm not riding a white stallion. Well, welcome to the club. Welcome. My Shetland pony's tied up out back. He's red now. I don't know what color he'll be in five years, but I've ridden a, a silver one. I've ridden a white one. I'm riding a red one now. I'll ride. I don't know what color he'll be, but, but hear me out today that whenever you look at Scripture, and in Acts chapter 17, it picks up midway through Paul's uh, second missionary journey and the second missionary journey actually starts there in Acts chapter 15 and verse 41 and it ends there in Acts chapter 18 and verse 22 and so here was Paul Paul was working there at uh, that 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 on that point he was there with Silas. They had built churches in Thessalonian uh, with the Thessalonians. They had built a church there in Philippi. They had visited the Corinthian churches during that second missionary journey. But now they get to a place that's called Athens. And whenever they got to Athens, if you could really think, what would Athens look like? It'd be like New York City. It would be like Houston. Texas, it would be like 
Los Angeles, California to be a big place. And yet when Paul walks in there, the Bible tells us that he was wholly moved. He was, he was stoked up about the idolatry that he saw there. And so when you look there at Athens, what was it that housed the Acropolis that was there? It was full of dead heroes that, that were there in the Acropolis. It was a place where that Mars Hill, it was, it was kind of like the, the judicial body, if you want to say, the Supreme Court that was there. And Paul goes ambling in to that place there in Athens. Athens hosted great works of art and education and law and medicine, everything thing about Athens was the place that if you were somebody that was where you wanted to spend your life and to live and, and Athens was filled with the minds of brilliant people Aristarchus and and others that contributed to uh, not only the sciences, but they, they contributed to medicine. And yet here's the thing is that in the middle of Athens, despite all of the things that they had there, here is what we understand, that there was a huge spiritual void that was filled up there in that place. And so Paul walks in there into that place. And Paul, the Bible tells us that he began to dispute and he began to preach. Now that unnerves some people whenever they say they, he was disputing and he was debating, oh yeah, yeah, the Apostle Paul. I, I have a feeling, I told my brother this this week, I doubt that the majority of the American apostolic church would want to have Jesus or Paul as their pastor. I'll cough about twice on that. If you think I'm rough, oh dear God, you, you have no clue. Because here's the part that when Jesus and Paul walked in, they were clear, they were direct, and they were to the point, and they didn't make sure everybody had warm bottles and dry diapers and pacifiers, pacifiers nearby. They just spoke the truth. In our day, we, we have a tendency to want to shy away from that. But whenever you're facing false religion and false doctrine, here's what Paul does. He, he steps right in there in Athens and he begins to confront it. He begins to push back there. And he started preaching to him, Jesus Christ and, and him crucified and that the resurrection had taken place. Now, some of those people that were there, some of those inhabitants there, the Epicureans and the Stoics, they begin to listen to him as what Paul had to say. But there again in them, their education got in their way and they said, we don't believe this, Paul. In fact, here's one of the things that they, they, they made snide remarks about him. This, you seed picker, you, you nitpicker, you, 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 you redneck, you hillbilly, you seed picker. And that was their response to him. Why was it? It was because I got a feeling that most of those people that were there were the guys that were riding 
the white stallions because of their human reasoning. They thought, you know what we're going to do? We're going to try to destroy the message that this great apostle is bringing to us here in our day. And if you think that that's not going on here in our world today, then I wish you would have been with me this past Wednesday where that I observed literal spiritual warfare and spiritual darkness taking place at a meeting, a civic meeting here in our city whenever they were trying to determine the content of some library books. And yet I looked at that and watched that. And in my mind, I thought, this is what spiritual warfare looks like. This is what spiritual darkness looks like. And and, and I believe the Lord just deeply impressed this on me back when I was standing in the back of that room listening to all of that stuff that was from there, from Mars Hill. I thought to myself, or I believe the Lord impressed this on me, that spiritual darkness always fills in the void that strong preaching vacates. You let strong preaching vacate people's lives and inch by inch, what is it that takes place? Spiritual darkness fills up that void that is there. And if ever there was a time that we needed people like the apostle to stand up and tell people the truth that in the beginning, God created male and female, created he, them. What is the role of marriage? One man and one woman. Any other thing? outside of those boundaries is spiritual darkness. Every bit of that. So I won't get sidetracked on that, but, but again, they tried to destroy the message there with human reason and the more Paul preached, it seemed like that the more that seemed to have become stirred up, he preached heartily. He said, I want you to know this, that God is the one that made the world and he wouldn't be confined to these heathen and man-made temples that you have built right here in Athens that you have set up at this place and in response to the message, again, the usual scoffers that some of them were convinced by the Spirit and some of them said, I I want you to come back, Paul, and I want you to tell us a little more. And despite the opposition that Paul was faced with, the work of the Holy Ghost could not be stopped and the Bible tells us that there were converts that were made there. Acts 17, 34 tells us that Dionysius and Damaris, they were converted. (coughs) And from some obscure historical resources, it's noted that that Dionysius would end up becoming a a pastor there in the city of Athens. And it wouldn't be too much long after Paul had left that that they would kill him uh, and he would die in the hands of a man by the name of Domitian who was one of the Roman Caesars. And and, uh, as for Damaris, some historians feel that her name was mentioned by Luke because she was the wife of Dionysius. And again, I'm using uh, some outside historical uh, observations about this here, but Luke was determined. He said, you know what? He said, I want to make sure that I mention this 
this couple to you, Dionysius and Damaris. But oh, I love that the Lord impressed the Holy Ghost, which inspired the Word of God. Said, hey, Luke, I want you to remember this also. I, 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 right about Dionysius, right about Damaris, but I want you to put in that phrase there that there in the height of spiritual darkness that there were others. Who were the others? Those folks that rode Shetland ponies. Y'all, I love people that ride Shetland ponies. And sometimes I, I think, man, so much is accomplished by people that ride Shetland ponies. Be careful of being around people that's always critical of the church. Be careful of getting around people that's always is sometimes maligning and gossiping and criticizing and tearing down. That, that's just not good. That's just not good because what they're saying is is if the, the folks that are riding the Shetland ponies, they have no value, they have no purpose, but I beg to differ because I've been here like some of y'all have your entire life. Look at what God has accomplished throughout the time frame that this church started whenever it was back on South St. Andrews. It's not even there now. Move from there to another old house is torn down now. Then the one, the student building was built. Then there was an addition there at the fellowship hall. And now here's where we're at. But I'm going to just tell you this. I believe that everything ought to well up inside of us to say if we'll get on our Shetland ponies, who knows what God can do in the next 10 years, in the next 20 years, and in the next 30 years. Because something has been invested into every one of us. You can't afford to believe the lie and the devil to say you don't matter and you're not important. I beg to differ with that because here's the thing. My value is not of myself, but it, it is the spirit that is on the inside of me. And as long as that spirit can be like Jeremiah said, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. I'm going to tell you, God can do things. God can work miracles. God can build kingdoms, not my kingdom not your kingdom but he can build his kingdom so I believe that let me just tell you what Brother Harold used to say. You ought to warm up your amen, Bridge City. So let me tell you here, you ought to warm up your amen here this morning, Dothan. You ought to just say amen, Brother Harrelson. I hear what you're saying. We're going to do the will of God. We may be behind everybody else, but we're riding our Shetland ponies. We may get there five minutes or ten minutes after the rest of them. But you just know this, that when we get to the finish line. We're going to cross it. Stay on your Shetland pony, Dothan. Stay on it. Stay on it. God can do so much with you if you're willing to submit. And so by Luke's own admission, he tells us Paul was so troubled by what confronted him there in that city, wholly given to idolatry pursuit of sensual pleasures. It was in a place where the, the clutches of, of the, the mind being exalted, that it was there. And this was the Athens that when you look, no documented miracles, 
no evidence of any church that may, I know Dionysus and Damaris, but it was not a thriving power. It wasn't like Ephesus. It didn't have the problems. There, there is no letter that was written to the Athenians. There's no epistle that comes back, but yet Luke writes it in and says, and others. No records that they want any souls. No reports of any offerings that they sent to others. And yet you got to be careful that there's a trap. Don't ever fall into the trap of comparing yourself among yourself. Abby, where's Abby at? Abby, stand up. Stand up, Abby. Y'all need to give, give Abby a hand. Abby, don't compare yourself to anybody else. You do what you're supposed to do. Okay? I was driving the other night. I was, I was almost a Baton Rouge. You can, you can have a seat. I was almost a Baton Rouge. And she got up and started singing a solo. I thought, oh, my Lord, who is this? I was so inspired. I, I wanted to stop the truck and take a lap around the truck, but I didn't do that because it was back-to-back traffic in Baton Rouge. But, but I thought to myself, my goodness, listen at what she's singing here to the church. But here's the, here's the trap is that people can fall in and say, well, I don't do it like I'm just not as good as such and so. Don't believe that. Get on your Shetland pony and just stay with it. If God's called you to pray, then be a prayer. If God's called you a preacher, then be a preacher. If God's called you a singer, then be a singer. If God's called you to be a parent, then be a parent or a spouse. Whatever you can do, don't fall into the trap of comparisons and say, man, I tell you, if we had this or if we had that, we would be so far. I'm telling you, that is a lie from the enemy here this morning. Do the Wheel of God. Every time you walk in this house, get your hands up. Get your mouth open. You say, but I'm having problems. It doesn't matter. I'm going to tell you, if you can worship, it does matter. But if you can worship the Lord and do the will of God while you're riding that Shetland pony, trust me, when you get there, The Lord's going to say, well done. (coughs) Our good and faithful servant. And whenever the devil comes along and starts trying to play at your mind, he say, well, I'm just not as good as such. I've said that a thousand times. I know nobody else has said that before, but I know that I have. I've said, man, I told Brother Harold one time, he said he'd call me. Well, how'd it go, Brother Harrelson? And I said, uh, well, Brother Harold, here's how it went. I said, I preached. I said, it flopped out across the pulpit. I said, it twitched about twice and then had a merciful quick death. I said, that's what that sermon looked like. He said, oh, Brother Harrelson. He said, don't believe that. And, uh, and I'm going to you get into that trap of comparisons. Here's what you'll do. You'll be like those two old guys. Y'all know how everything's bigger in Texas. And uh, these two old guys somewhere out in Texas, somewhere, this, this little old guy walked up and, and uh, he looked up at this big guy that was from Texas. He said, big man? He said, I'll tell you what. He says, if I was as big as you were, 
He said, I'd go off out there in the woods and I'd find the biggest bear I could find and rip him to shreds. And the big man, the big man uh, said, well, I tell you what, I know you wish you was as big as I was. He said, I know you really think if that's what I ought to do is go out there and find the biggest bear and just tear him apart. He said, but I tell you what, little man. He said, those woods there are full of little bears. He said, if I go out there and find my big bear, he said, you need to go out there and find your little bear. And I just want to just tell you that here this morning, that most of us, we spend our lives longing and wishing that we were bigger and better than what we are. Were, are and at the same time, we forget about all the opportunities that the Lord has given to us around us. Listen to me. If you just do what the Scripture says, that whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might and do it well, then God has a way of putting you on your Shetland pony and moving you into the place that he wants you to be. Shoot low, boys. They're riding Shetland ponies. I know, Brother Williams. Amen. That's good. I'm preaching good here this morning. I know I'm, I am. I don't preach good all the time, but I'm preaching good here this morning. Oh, yes, I am. I'm telling you the truth here this morning. That's to stop it. Get the comparisons out of your mind. Realize the value that you have in the kingdom of God. And then do the will of God. Serve the Lord with gladness. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in verse 26, for you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring Bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Put up verse 31 for me, Clay. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Put up, put up verse 32. Verse 32. It's there. Let me tell you what verse 32 says. Shoot low boys are riding Shetland ponies. That's verse 32. Listen to me, church. Just, just an old house. What y'all doing over there at Normandale? We're making peanut brittle on Tuesday night. My mother and my, my dad and Sister Patterson, they were in their late 20s. Hey, getting that, getting that, we make that stuff. I hate peanut brittle. Y'all be easy on me now, okay? Be easy on me, but I hate it. I can't stand peanut brittle. 
we make that stuff on Tuesday nights and, and then on Wednesday morning we get in that demon-possessed Volkswagen van and we drive to Blakely and Donaldsonville and anywhere else and they pull off and they stop. We stop at garages, service stations, everywhere else. And my dad would get me out and I'd, I'd have, I don't know, four or five years old, a handful of, of peanut brittle and we'd sell that peanut brittle. What were we doing? We're building a church. That's what we're doing. But you know what? We looked and we built the church like that back in the 70s. But come here and listen to me now. We may not be making peanut brittle now. We may not be selling barbecue now. But the same sacrifice that was required back in the 70s is going to be required in 2024. Come on, Dothan. Get on your Shetland pony and say, I'm going to make a difference in the kingdom of God. Don't ever get to the place in your life where you say I don't have to pay my dues anymore. If you ever get into that place, I'm going to tell you what, you'll get off your Shetland pony and you will never fulfill the potential of what God has in mind for your life. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. I told Brother Harold one time, I said, Brother Harold, I said, I preach about two or three sermons, two or three good ones a year. I'm just going to tell y'all here this morning, I know it's only February, and I only have two more to do, but this right here, what I preached to you this morning, it was good. Oh, yes, it is. You need to dust off the saddle of your Shetland pony and you say, well, I stop. Quit making comparisons. You may be, I'm just a little man. Go out there in the woods. Find the little bears. Tear the little ones apart because here's what's going to happen in your life. As you tear the little ones apart, then the next thing the Lord say, you know what? I'm going to send them one a little bigger. And then when you get next beyond that bigger one, then the Lord's saying, you know what? I'm going to bring them a little bigger one because here's what scripture says we go from victory to victory and yet the devil and our flesh try to beat our brains out you don't matter you're not important oh yeah you are I pray this morning that the hooves of a whole bunch of Shetland ponies will thunder right here in this sanctuary. There's souls out there to be saved. There's power to walk in. There's a spirit that the Lord wants to invest in every single one of us. But you gotta stay on your Shetland pony. Let's lift our hands to the Lord here this morning. You ought to just worship the Lord, church. You ought to just open your mouth up right now. And you ought to just thank God for His goodness, for His power. Don't think about what you don't have. All David had was a slingshot and five smooth stones. I want you to move out from where you're at and step up here in this altar and just ask the Lord, Lord, have I got off of my Shetland pony? Or Lord, do you have one waiting on me?
whatever it is and whatever that you have, whatever door that you want me to walk through, Lord, you've got to help me to be able to do your will. Oh, Jesus.